Welcome to the Mission Show with Albert Canfield and Luis Cardozo, our podcast about church planting, mission, and evangelism. Today, we have the second part of our interview with Dr. David Martin Whitworth. The first one was amazing, full of content and wisdom. So now I welcome you for our second conversation with Dr. David. David, I love the term theology of participation. Yeah, because definitely. we know that today there's an idea that uh, it's possible to be a Christian without participation. <laughs> it's a kind of weird situation, but uh, the only sad. way that the Christian life works, the Christian faith works, is if we participate with God. <laughs> there's no other way. Obviously, a lot of things must to change today. In your opinion, David, what's the main paradigms that must to change in the church today? main hindrances and opportunities that the church is facing towards its transformational mission in the world. What was taking place in the second and third century in the Christian church and following Christ changed with, with the birth of the church and the various ecclesial expressions. And with that, uh, the training became formalized, if you will, and was rooted and centered in the Catholic tradition And then, uh, you know, subsequently in the Protestant Reformed tradition. <laughs> yes. So that's where this authority was birthed from as far as what it meant and what it took to become that leader, that pastor, that mm -hmm. priest, uh, that minister of the gospel in the various ecclesial expressions and the local churches. So one of the paradigms that has actually shifted, or this whole concept of the Missio Dei, has offered a new paradigm and, and actually mm -hmm. gave us a lens of looking back to early church and what it meant to look at as, you know, and there was a movement not that long ago, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 some odd years ago, this notion of every member in ministry. Now, I'm not too keen on, on that language of every member because it, it bespeaks like the country club or, you know, the member <laughs> of this club or, or that club. Um, but I do like the notion and the concept of every person in ministry just like teaching our parishioners that, yes, you actually have a theology if you understand that your theology is the way that you understand and articulate your relationship with God and subsequently your relationship with others. So, yes, you actually have a uh, theology. So what is the paradigms that have to shift? Uh, we're actually already seeing some of that come into play with moving uh the training, the vocational training for pastoral and ministry leaders uh, in the last two decades. Uh, and we were talking about that as well. So that's, that's one of the first things that has to change. As we change in how we develop missional leaders as compared to how do we develop and credential pastors, mm -hmm. okay, for a career, um, then we're going to start to see these missional leaders developing and training laity, if you will, or mm -hmm. every person in this new way of thinking that actually being a Christ follower 
is a way of life. Mm -hmm. It's not simply just this activity of, that we participate in a few hours a week. So that was, that's one of the, uh, one of the big um, paradigm shifts that I, that I see. If I can, let me speak to that from what's literally taking place right now mm -hmm. across the globe because of this coronavirus pandemic. It's my understanding that many parts of the world are experiencing what we're experiencing here in the United States, that many uh, local churches are not holding their typical worship services physically in, pre in pre present together in buildings. Mm -hmm. um, so what we've seen only recently in even the last two months is that persons have started gathering. They're calling gatherings, as I am. I've started and participate in one and will be speaking at one on Saturday night. Uh, it's almost like, you know, that notion of Wesley's <laughs> day of field preaching. Um, but people have been invited to a time of praise and prayer. Um, so what is this shift that I think is actually taking place and, and we're going to look back in, in history and see that this was a, this was a major 2020 was mm -hmm. going to be a major paradigm shift yes. in the life of the church. And it's that people are going to realize, oh my goodness, we don't need these church buildings <laughs> as much as we thought we needed these church buildings. Amen. Uh, and it costs tens of thousands or millions of dollars. And actually we realize now how important that fellowship and that accountability is in smaller groups. Yeah. Um, so that's another paradigm shift that I think literally we're experiencing right now. I kind of return it to the home church movement. <laughs> yes, we have to. I think I, because I don't see any time in the near future, any church that has more than 50, 100, 200 people able to put everybody in the same building and worship and sing and, and, and hug each other. I don't see that happening. I don't see. It. Uh, I might yeah. be mistaken, but I think the church will have to reinvent itself or go back to the roots to, to be able Absolutely. to face the future. Yeah. You know, on that note, as far as that paradigm shift that, that we're seeing, you know, not only are they seeing this not necessarily a need for the larger buildings and, mm -hmm. and uh, the places of gathering, but look at the extent of the infrastructure that is built around. So these these are like small institutions, you know, and truly uh, that's another thing that we could be talking about, you know, at what point is does the church stop being the church and it's become uh, more of an emphasis on the institution um, and and that's another that's another hot topic if you will but they're they're actually realizing that there's so many things from a career and an institutional perspective as a business that they've put into place in creating local churches now not all this is never all or nothing it's both and mm -hmm. um, that that they're seeing that, oh, my goodness, this this is not necessary. What is necessary is that I actually meet with brothers and sisters and that we praise, that we pray, 
that we worship and that, yes, we can go back out and be of service in the communities in which we live. David, as you know, the mission show is for everyone, but we focus in mission and to help missionaries, people that are going, that are already there or that are being missionaries around the, the road or anywhere, people that want to communicate the gospel. So a question that we ask everyone that we interview on the show is, what advice would you give to someone that is about to board the plane, the bus, or just cross the road to deliver the gospel? So uh, before they get to the mission field that might be out of the door of their house, what advice would you give to this missionary? Oh, man, that's that's uh, fantastic. Well, I'm glad you framed it the way that you did, Louise, because it would be the advice that I would give uh, to my children, that I do give to my children, uh, that I give to my students in class. Um, but before I even say that, of course, immediately the verse that pops into my head, if I if I had to hang my hat on 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 one particular verse of Scripture, especially as I think about, uh, quote, the mission field to wherever that is. I think of Micah 6, 8. And, and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And of course, the other thing that I think of, and these are two um, axioms, if you will, that I integrate into all of the teaching. And it's this. Remember, You are not in control, but you have much to be responsible for. So you're not in control, but you are responsible. The other thing is you have nothing to prove, but you have much to share. Now, the reason I think that it's so important to emphasize that we're not in control, but we are responsible is because it reiterates that as Christ followers, we confess that we're no longer our own, mm -hmm. uh, that we've been bought at a price. And that price is uh, Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection. So that righteousness that we have and that we know is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we as created beings and God as uncreated, made and here we are made in the image of God, we're not in control. And when we can actually, and, and oftentimes I'll just stop and when, when I share this because I want folks to hear the impact of not being in control. Because if we're not in control and we recognize that we are dependent upon God and the grace of God, that is the ultimate liberation theology that there is. <laughs> the greatest sense of freedom that there can be. And consequently, we are responsible. So in other words, how are we going to respond to what God has already done in our lives and what will God continue to do in our lives and through us. So we're not in control, but we are responsible and we have nothing to prove, but we have something to share. <laughs> I mean, all too often I see it in the life of the local church. I see it in the academy. Folks are really keen on proving 
their point or showing or demonstrating that they're right. I guess my simplistic understanding of what Jesus calls us to is a life of faithfulness, not of being in control and being right. But instead, let's be responsible and let's share the good news. Let's embody that good news as a way of life. Amen, David. So I don't think I necessarily say all I was making some notes on my mobile about what you were talking. Just don't forget, Louis. This <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Uh, David, there's a question yes. that we like to ask people, and that is, what question haven't we asked it you that you'd like the opportunity to answer? <laughs> oh, wow! Thank you, Albert. You know, one thing I always love sharing is, and, and I always enjoy being asked, how did I come to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's, it's a very, uh, well, it's a very providential story <laughs> as, as persons, as everybody else is, in, is as well. But it's a great example that I uh, love to share of God's provenient grace, the grace that works uh, and goes before us, even before we're aware of it. Um, what many people don't necessarily know, uh, you know, about me is that I wasn't always a Christ follower. (laughs) It was only actually 27 years ago that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So that's half of my life. Um, literally half of my life, I I was, uh, that person that was, uh, following my own lead. Uh, if, if you will, I was my own God. I looked to uh, my father and my earthly father as, you know, he was sort of like my godlike figure. Um, but that's not quite telling the story. That's sort of the backstory of even that. So here I am at 54, but I've been following Jesus Christ for 27 years. And uh, I was born and raised in Maine. And I'll try not to make the story too long. I'll give you the condensed version of it. <laughs> I was born and raised in Maine, which is in the northeast part of the United States. And uh, graduated high school, went off to the Marine Corps uh, when I was 18 uh, years of age, moved back to Maine at, at, uh, at 22 and had a couple different businesses, a little antique business, as well as uh, managing a convenience store. Um, they, I don't necessarily know if they have convenience stores called 7-Elevens mm-hmm. over in uh, Portugal. You do? You've heard of no, them? Okay. No, there, there's no 7-Eleven in Portugal. No 7-Eleven. Not okay. here in the UK anyway. as well. Yeah, I was, I was uh, managing convenience stores and, uh, you know, I decided, well, I'm finally going to go to, uh, to uni or to university. I was going to go to college and I was going to become a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. And uh, so I, I packed up my little car and uh, had a little Honda Civic at the time. Whatever I couldn't fit into my car, I gave away. I just gave it to brothers and sisters, skis and this and that and everything else. And uh, I was going to be heading across to uh, Arizona. I was driving cross country. A, a good friend of mine from the Marine Corps had a job lined up for me at the Sheriff's Boys Ranch. Um, and uh, I was going to go to school at Northern Arizona University. But there was something in the back of my head that was sort of saying, you know, hey, look, you're driving cross country. Why don't you go to Georgia and visit your mom and your grandmother? Now, I mean, if you if you look at the at the map of the United States, you know, you got Maine way up in the northeast. You got Arizona in the southwest and you got Georgia in the south. But I'm like, you know, there's just something in there that said that. So I get to uh, to Fitzgerald, which is where my mom's side of the family is from. 
And I hadn't been there for, uh, I hadn't been there 48 hours. Four different people said, Hey, look, you know, we heard your story that you're going to school. <laughs> Why don't you stay here? There's somebody that you need to meet. And, and of course I just shook my head and I'm like, no, I don't need to meet anybody. <laughs> um, and, uh, to, to, expedite the story this someone that i needed to meet her name was tammy and she was a, a school teacher and she was teaching down the hall from where my mom had an office my mom's a retired educator working with communities and schools and uh <laughs> and of all things tammy had gone to school at northern arizona university so i did happen to when i was visiting my mom i i stopped by to uh to speak uh to to tammy and we quickly had just this instant bond and all kinds of uh, common areas that we could talk about uh, with Northern Arizona University. And uh, so, you know, I thought, wow, she's pretty cute. Uh, let me see if I can ask her for, for a cup of coffee or dinner. And, and uh, so, so I did and went home. Now, this is all pre-cell phone, uh, pre-cell phone days, okay? <laughs> This is in the 90s, man, or early 90s. It was not easy that time. <laughs> That's right. No, 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 no. So the phone rings and I pick it up and I'm like, hello. And she's, and I speak to, you know, David. And I was, this is David. And she says, well, this is Tammy. And I'm like, okay. And she said, uh, you know, I know they were going to get together for coffee, but would you go to church with me on, on Sunday? And uh, in, in my head, I'm like, man, she is cute. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I'll go. And uh, hang up the phone. It, it, it didn't seem like it was 15, 20 minutes later, the phone rings again. And hello, uh, David, this is Tammy. And I'm like, hmm, this is getting interesting. <laughs> because I know, I know that you're going to go to church with me uh, on, on Sunday. Um, she says, but would you go to uh, Sunday school with me as well? And at that point, I laughed out loud. I laughed. I'm like, Sunday school? I says, isn't that for children or something? And she said, no, no, no. Adults go to Sunday school as well. And I thought to myself, man, she's pretty cute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a dude's mind. <laughs> Go to the Sunday school. Hang up the phone. I, not kidding. You know, now, now Tammy might tell it slightly differently than this, but the phone rings again. Come on. <laughs> David, yes, this is Tammy. She says, uh, I know you're going to go to Sunday school. I know you're going to go to church with me, uh, but I'm also working with the MYF, uh, the Methodist Youth Fellowship. Uh, would you come and, 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 uh, and help me with that? And I said, oh, you don't want somebody like me. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, don't, you don't want somebody like me working with the kids. Oh, yes, yes, I do. So anyway, Tammy invited me. I went to, uh, went to Sunday school worship and MYF and, uh, you know, this had a week or two had gone by and, and we had already quickly become friends. And I looked into going to school at uh, locally and uh, made that decision to, to, to do that. And each week I was going to uh, to worship and to Sunday school and helping to participate in MYF. Now, it was in that was starting in August and it was in in October Um that she said, you know, she says, I've got something to tell you, but I don't want to scare you. And I said, what? It's too late. <laughs> Let me say it again. She says, I, I got something to share with you. I got something to tell you, but I don't want to scare you. I mean, who says that to a person? I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what is it that you're going to tell me? You know, like, uh, I don't know, you're a mass murderer or something. <laughs> she says, uh, and we're sitting down at the kitchen table. She says, uh, I, you know, I've been praying. I've been praying to God since May 
that God would send somebody into my life uh, that could, you know, be my husband. And now, I mean, you can hear me get emotional about it. I, I wasn't a young man. I mean, I was 27 years of age. Um, I knew that I, at some point I wanted to get married. And um, I guess what I was really struck with uh, was the fact that who is this God that would use this young woman to speak so boldly and plainly? And there's no secret that I already I was madly in love with her. <laughs> um and uh, so I was just thinking about that. And at that same time, um, and this is still the Bible Belt, if you will, the Bible mm -hmm. Belt of the United States, um, we were having a revival and uh, there was a guest preacher in and I was sitting out in the pew just like everybody else. And I heard him say just so clearly, Matthew eleven twenty eight where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. And if you are weary, and if you've never given your life to Christ, now's the time. And of course, that was me. And that was that fall of uh, 1993. Um, as I say, oftentimes, um, you know, I've never looked back. I've looked sideways several times, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but I've never looked back. Uh, this young lady, Tammy, uh, became my wife in 1995. Oh, and we've been married for 25 years. She's really we cute. Have... You married her. <laughs> <She's really cute. laughs> you became a pastor. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's right. We have two, uh, we have two uh, wonderful, beautiful daughters, 18 and 21. And the life that I didn't know growing up is, is a 180 from what they've known. Um, they've never known anything but growing up in a household of faith where we follow Christ, where we pray, uh, where we worship together, where we serve um, and there's no greater privilege or blessing, uh, than to have that or to know that. Now, as I also like to laugh and add a little bit of levity and joking to it, when I share my testimony with others, uh, I will always remind them, careful what you pray for, because <laughs> this is what you might get. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, thanks for letting me share that. No, that's amazing. It's Thank you very much for sharing. It's really inspiring. But what are your plans for the future and what you are feeling God saying to you? Because I, I, I personally like to ask that to people. You know, uh, sometimes we judge, oh, he's a pastor or professor or something and and sometimes we have like oh that's it but god is always speaking and and he's always moving and so is there any projects coming is that anything that you are feeling a new season or or any new thing that the lord is is doing in your life oh man thank you so much for asking that and uh yeah you're you're so right louise that's the proverbial question that they always ask where do you see yourself five years from now <laughs> and of course i've learned over the years now uh and and persons don't necessarily like that answer uh <laughs> it's wherever the holy spirit leads me um uh, so even man. though even though i 
even though I say that and I truly, truly believe that. Matter of fact, I just said that to the president uh, of my institution uh, as we were having <laughs> as we were having a, a time of uh, of discussing upcoming contracts and everything else. He's like, "Well, David, where do you see yourself? And, you know, five years from now?" And I'm like, "Well, wherever the Holy Spirit leads." <laughs> That's um, the best that, place. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you but you nail it right. Um, you know, as far as the world oftentimes wants to pigeonhole you and shape your identity from that perspective of exactly what you're doing. You know, are you this professor or are you this pastor um, or are you this, you know, public school teacher? You know, I've done done all those things. The projects. Uh, but yes, uh, I will be and go wherever the Holy Spirit leads me. Uh, I'm currently working on a new book um, called The Life You Want, From Crisis mm. to Contentment. And mm. uh, my hope and my prayer, uh, my, I, my passion is not academic writing. Mm. My passion is writing for uh, everyday, uh, everyday persons and uh, for the life of the church. Uh, and that's what this book is going to, uh, to be geared to, towards. Uh, for personal uh, development, for small group development in the life of the church. Hopefully, uh, God willing, it'll come out uh, before Advent season, Lenten season next year, um, so that it can be a, a, a group study. Uh, a secondary book, if you will, that I have is uh, that I'm working on is a devotional book uh, called The Promises of God, one of my writings that I've done um, that I needed to do. I mean, that God led me to do for my own um, for my own edification, if you will. And that is spending time in the word and writing. So those are two things that I've uh, that I'm working on as far as uh, the writing is concerned. Uh, very near and dear to my heart and uh, something that I'm very passionate about is uh, this One Kingdom mission, mm -hmm. which is uh, a teaching and leadership ministry that inspires, equips, and empowers uh, regular everyday disciple makers of kingdom building movements. And uh, if I was going to frame that, it's, uh, it's simply exactly what, uh, what you guys are doing. Uh, to me, I, you know, I look and I see and I read what you're doing with Connect and uh, in the mission show. And I see this as a kingdom building movement. I see you as disciple makers, intent and devoted and committed uh, to making more disciples. Uh, so one of my goals, especially for this upcoming year, uh, 2021, as the as we come out of this coronavirus, is to spend more time. Uh, teaching and training around the globe uh, for missional leaders and helping them develop a holistic approach oh, uh, for mission and evangelism so that they see that this is something for everyday people and it's a way of life. Um, so I appreciate you. I appreciate mm -hmm. you asking that. Amazing. Probably we will talk later about the partnership. <laughs> Because we have a, mm -hmm. a few appointments, for example, in Kenya. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard our podcast with Bishop uh, Simon. but uh, I, That's that's one I haven't seen right. uh, or listened to yet, Albert, but I look forward to it. Simon invite us to, to be with him in, in a few indigenous church to assist him in the formation, some classes to some indigenous pastors and missionaries there. So... We are preparing the next year, if the pandemic helps, a trip to Kenya to make a seminar. 
probably we could go together, my friend. <laughs> it, it, now, now let's just let's just make this uh, let's make this clear, okay? All right, all right. So was that was that an invitation that I just? It heard? is. It is. It is. And, it is an uh, invitation. <laughs> there are there are two there are two actually three projects uh, running with Kenya right now that we that we need to put up pool of people together. So the first one is uh, we committed ourselves, uh, Albert and I, to, to put a pool of people together to help them to develop a training system for indigenous pastors. Got so it. they have a training happening at the moment, but they need people to help them to put a program together, to find people that could go there once in a while. They have some people that could help but but we've had to put the material in place so that that's number one number two is we have a church planting program on the interior of kenya but only in villages and in small towns that never had a church before amen so we go to villages and, and small towns that never had a church and we help uh a pool of churches that is Gigi fun and, and few others but we help them to plant uh, a new church in this town. And as soon as, as we plan that, we find a couple and we start to training that couple for in the following year, send them to the next tribe. So together we planted something around 20 churches already and, and God is moving. So so we have these two projects that, that really, uh, it's a lot bigger than anything we can try to choose. So we need, we need good people that can help or, or can, can, you know, help us to to continue to do. And and you're more than welcome. Uh, to, <laughs> well, thank you. Join us. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the Mission Show. You two are more than welcome to join force with us, building the kingdom of God throughout the world. There's a lot of things to do. We know that in our realities, we have a church with all, a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of buildings. But sometimes in the mission field, we don't have nothing even a person to testimony to them, to share the gospel. So we are dreaming about this possibility to reach the lost for Christ. There's a lot of things God wants to do. And he is looking for persons like me and you with a available heart to serve him in his great mission all around the world. Let's dream together, pray together and serve together. May the name of the Lord be known throughout the world. God bless you and see you next week.